Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Chapter 3, we're going to look at the last portion of chapter 3 and uh, the beginning portion of chapter 4 today. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered 
with me. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your great love. We thank you, O Lord, for your faithfulness, your consistency, your mercy, your goodness, your compassion, your tenderness. Oh, Lord, you are so good. And we pray for each person here today and for every family represented. And for all those who listen by podcast, the internet. We pray for anyone who is without Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today they'll come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Today they'll come to know forgiveness of sin, hope for a better tomorrow the blessing of eternal life, the blessing of your love, and the privilege of being called your child. Lord, we ask that you be our teacher. By God, the Holy Spirit, speak to us from your holy word to the glory of the Lord Jesus and to the transforming of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. And so this is a part two of uh, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's fitting that we look at these early chapters in the book of Matthew here at the, the closing of 2021 and the, the opening of a new year as we enter 2022. And really, Christians ought to be repenting every day, sometimes every moment of every day. We, uh, we admit that we are sinners, saved by the grace of God. That the only way that we get to heaven is by God's amazing grace. Not by our works, but by God's amazing grace. The first point here today is Jesus demonstrated true humility. True humility. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, we learned that the king of the city of Tyre, this ancient city that was wealthy and powerful, and uh, where all of the various merchants and you know the business entrepreneurs traveled to, it had become successful and wealthy, but it also became quite arrogant and filled with pride. And because of the pride of the king and the people, it was judged by God and destroyed. Jesus, however, the Son of God, demonstrated true humility. As we read here in verse 13, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. Now, the baptism of John the Baptist was one in which the people confessed their sins and repented. They, they admitted that they were sinners. Now, Jesus, he came to be baptized by John the Baptist, but it wasn't because he was a sinner. Jesus is without sin. The Bible makes that very clear. I, I gave you, a, well, I guess I didn't give you a passage. I'm going to read it to you. All right. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21. And the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him or in him. He is without sin. And there are some other passages. 
1 John 3, 5, and Hebrews 4, verse 15, and chapter 7, 26. Our Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. So then why did he come to be baptized by John? The third little sub-point there. He came and put the stamp of approval upon the ministry of John the Baptist. By submitting and being baptized, Jesus was declaring by his action that God had called John the Baptist and had sent him to proclaim repentance. The Bible teaches that John the Baptist was the forerunner preparing the people for the coming one. And over in the book of John, we read that as, as John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the sin of the human race. And so the Lord Jesus Christ approved of John the Baptist's ministry. And then notice that when Jesus came up out of the water, and let me just make this, this little point here. Uh, the Bible says that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he was about 30 years old. So, if Jesus waited until he was about 30 years old, then why are babies baptized? It's really not a baptism. Not a scriptural. Because you see, baptism, according to the scripture is referred to as believer's baptism. That is, a person must accept Christ as their Savior, and they must do this voluntarily, not the twisting of the arm. It is not the decision of the parents. Whoever comes to know the Lord as Savior must come on their own. It must be a, a voluntary, personal choice that is made to accept Christ as Savior and then to follow in believer's baptism. Just keep that in mind. But notice, Jesus comes up out of the water, and it says the heavens were opened to him. And the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, comes in the form of a dove, and he alights upon the Lord Jesus. And then the voice of the Father, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well these. Jesus demonstrated true humility and he identified with us. He identified with sinful humanity, although he was without and is without sin. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah 11.2. The Spirit coming and resting upon the Savior, the Messiah, the branch, as he's referred to, the Deliverer. And then again over in Psalm 2, and you could read through that whole psalm, Psalm 2, verses 1 through 12. God the Father speaking, I have set my Holy Son upon the holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree, the Lord speaking, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. 
And everything, everything is created for His pleasure. And so God the Holy Spirit and God the Father acknowledge Jesus, God the Son. God has revealed Himself in three distinct persons. And so we use the term the Trinity. Now some of the cults, they accuse us of worshiping three gods. No, we do not worship three gods. One God. There has only ever been one God. There will only ever be one God. But he has revealed himself in three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And notice that the Trinity is present at the baptism of the Lord Jesus. And so we move on. Jesus demonstrated humility, but he also demonstrated faithful obedience. Faithful obedience. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want to read a quotation from... Uh, scholar, English theologian from days gone by. His name is G. Campbell Morgan. And in his, in his commentary on this, this passage here I was reading, I thought, well, it's such wonderful, wonderful insight. It says, after the heavens were opened, hell is opened. The king must not only be perfect in harmony with the order and beauty of the heavens, he must face all the disorder and the ugliness of the abyss. Goodness at its highest he knows and is. Evil at its lowest he must face and overcome. And so in the wilderness he stands as humanity's representative between the two, responding to the one and refusing the other. How gloriously he won the battle and bruised the head of the serpent. Every vulnerable point was attacked. Hunger, trust, and responsibility. When these are held, no other avenue through which the foe can assault the citadel of the human will remains. The need for material sustenance, the spirit's confidence in God, and the carrying out of a divine commission in a divine way. Every gate our captain held, and the foe was defeated and left him. Jesus demonstrated faithful obedience. Notice, he was led by God the Holy Spirit. We often get ourselves into trouble because we're led by our own desires. Over in the, the book of James, he says, don't say when you're tempted that it was God tempting. He says, you're tempted when you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. That was not the case here with Jesus, the Lord. He was led by God, the Holy Spirit. There at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove, but empowering him and anointing him for the ministry that he was to be involved in. 
But first he must go into the wilderness and endure the ugliness of temptation. Then notice, when Jesus was tempted, he quoted the word of God. And what did he quote? He quoted the book of Deuteronomy. Isn't it interesting that so many people today, so-called scholars, those in academia, they question, they question the validity of the book of Deuteronomy. But Jesus quoted from it. He quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. And his quotations come from Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 8 and also chapter 10. But something else that I'd like to share with you was just really, really so interesting. The devil, he tempts Jesus with respect to his appetite. He fasted for 40 days. Now, I get hungry after a couple hours. <laughs> 40 days. It's understandable that he was hungry. So what does the devil do? He, he tempts him there with the appetite. But then he also tempts him with this idea of personal gain. All the kingdoms of the world. And then also the third one, power, glory. Now stop for a moment and consider the book of Genesis when Eve was tempted by the devil in the garden. Do you recall? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the only tree from which they could not eat. And the devil, the serpent, he tempts Eve. And what does he say? Well, you can eat of that tree. And she looks at it and she says, well, it looks like it would be good to eat. The appetite. And then he appeals to her, her personal desire. Yeah, yeah, you, you won't die. You'll be okay. Did God really say that you were going to die? And then how about the third one? Oh, you eat of that tree and, well, you'll be like God. Power and ability and you'll be in charge of your own life, you know what you hear today, isn't it? Yeah. Don't tell me how to live my life. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? It's my life. The same way that Jesus was tempted because, you see, that's the way that the devil works. Personal appetite. The desire for riches and position and the idea that I can be the God of my own life. I don't have to listen to some God that I can't see or to these people down at that church who don't know how to have a good time. Yeah. Jesus, however, quoted the word of God and he spoke with authority. Now, the devil likes to use the Bible too. Just like the politicians do. Be real wary of politicians who like to quote the Bible. 
to support their position. Because the majority of them who do so misquote and they misapply and they misinterpret. But that shouldn't surprise you because the devil, you see, he's the father of lies. So I want to call your attention to Psalm 91. So please turn there. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Now, the devil quotes this psalm, or a portion of this psalm, when he's tempting Jesus. Where he says, he shall give his angels charge over you. Right? says, throw yourself down, for he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. But notice what it actually says in Psalm 91, beginning at verse 9. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You notice that? The devil left that out. Because what is it talking about there? What is the psalm actually talking about? It's talking about if you are actually living a life that is consistent with the will of God, God will protect you. Not that you can place yourself in trouble and then expect God to take you out of it. You follow? To keep you in all your ways, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobras, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Let's go back to, to Matthew. The devil misquotes. He leaves out this whole idea that one must be fulfilling the will of God. And you cannot tempt God. When I was in college a long time ago in a sociology class, the first week, the sociology professor came strutting in, you know, he was full of himself. And uh, there were probably uh, two or three hundred, you know, students in the class. And one of the first things he started talking about was God and the devil. How many of you ever seen the devil? How many of you ever seen the devil? And I thought, well, I ought to stand up and say, well, I, I might be looking at him. <laughs> But I've been told, Michael, you, you need to just be quiet. <laughs> but then he, he did this. He said, so, if, you know, if God is, is here, well, lift up the, the typewriter. You know, back in those days, weren't computers, there were typewriters. The typewriter sitting on the back table. Lift it up, God, so that we can all see that you're real. You see, that's how arrogant they are. And even more so now. Just like the devil. If you are the son of God. But it can, that word, the word in, in, um, in the Greek there can also be translated since. 
but it carries with it the way that the, the structure is, well, since you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones to bread? But Jesus would not use his, his divine power to ease his circumstances. No. But notice, Jesus spoke with authority, and Jesus gave the correct interpretation and application of God's word. And that is what we are supposed to do. We are to ensure that our interpretation and application is correct. Well, we're going to continue this message next week. And we'll begin with this third point, that Jesus revealed his humanity and his divinity, because he is both man and God. He is the God-man. But you're here today, and maybe there's someone here who's never received Jesus as Savior. Or maybe you wonder whether or not you'll go to heaven when you die. The Lord says you can know. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you are willing to admit that you're a sinner and that Jesus died upon the cross for you, if you accept him as your Savior, he will save you. He will come into your life forgive you of your sin, and bless you with the gift of eternal life. Let's stand. We're going to sing. Lord, I'm coming home. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.